As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. Listening to Burn and Return, a weekly one hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries. And we're back. Uh, happy Christmas. Merry New Year, everybody. Uh, welcome to 2024. It is burn and return if this is your first episode you're tuning into uh might i welcome you aboard the uh this is this is not your typical lawn care show if you think you're gonna tune into this <laughs> and you're gonna get just folksy stories uh, yeah yeah you know uh to tell you about how humic acid is gonna save your life and your health uh boy you've you you dialed into the wrong one i'm gonna tell you right now but uh, what I what I will tell you is that we are going to send you into a mental exercise of all the various things that occur from a global perspective that wind their way down to a very micro level and affect what we do in the green industry, which gives so much availability for people to talk about their experience of humic acid saving their life and how they're able to apply, you know, uh, a 1402 liquid at 64 ounces an acre and uh and they have you know the nicest lawn in the world uh why gypsum continually remediates their clay soil according to their opinion and uh and then we'll we'll probably laugh at them make fun of them and uh and then we'll all put our arms around each other and say man i am so miserable i feel really good putting other people down um that is the show that we call burn and return um that that latter part i i i kind of made up but anyway i digress uh, my name is matt sometimes i go by the grass factor uh, alongside me we have uh we have ryan demay and we have ray ito uh this is a crazy thing between the three of us um we don't have like one or two or three decades of experience uh we are uh we are are angry, ornery, grizzled, uh, definitely not chiseled, uh, uh, yeah. assholes, but not scumbags. Uh, uh, we, we've 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 been around <laughs> long enough to know what we don't know, and that's a whole hell of a lot. And so, what what we do like talking about is uh, some of the dot, the dots that we've connected through our you know seventy ish. Uh, combined years of experience here and uh so that's that's who we are and that's what we do uh gentlemen how the hell are you well i'm glad you uh so aptly set the stage for everyone that has not joined us before and if you have joined us before it's our first show back after christmas so hope everybody had happy holidays everything like that but for the newbies yeah. Uh, you, you know just to set the stage here right before we went on air minutes before uh the recording button was pressed we were talking about such things as meals ready to eat uh the uh, yep, uh nuclear holocaust or accidents 
and yep. also mm-hmm. strippers in- that pop out of cakes. So, yep. I mean, that, that gives you a sense of where we're coming from uh, and the things that we need to do to be creative. Oh, Epstein Island uh, and the effects that yes. has on oh. a business. Yeah. Don't forget Epstein that, Island. Yeah, do. and, yeah. and don't forget the loans. Co- conference <laughs> in Davos, the WEF. <laughs> Listen, you get on that airplane, boys, and there ain't nothing forgivable that you're about to fucking do. Loans or anything. So just saying. Yeah. You know, don't don't end up on a flight log. Thurberg's uh, the uh, least you have to worry about. Yes, <laughs> yes. It, that's truly. And trust me, uh, when I say, boy, do I hate fucking commies. Um, anyway, we will go ahead and jump into this. Let's check out this week's headlines. This is just the news, and here to kick it off is uh, all right. So, all right, this is I find this particularly inter- interesting because I'm in manufacturing one, but two, um, you know, uh, in in this ever uh, evolving quest to do more with uh, in, in environment, environmental responsibility, and um, uh, you know, can we produce green? nitrogen right and for those of you that are not familiar uh typically what we what we do is um uh we we use a a a method called the haber bosch method to uh to produce ammonia and then from ammonia you know we can convert it over to urea and all kinds of other fun things right and uh and so anyway um you know the idea there is that can we develop a new technology to produce ammonia by uh, isolating hydrogen, you know, by splitting, like, say, for example, a water molecule that's going to have two atoms of hydrogen mm. uh, uh, bonded with one atom of oxygen, right? And and therefore use that ammonia that, uh, I'm sorry, use that green hydrogen to actually produce ammonia. Uh, and if I recall correctly, uh, the uh, ammonia is NH3, Ray? Yes, it is, sir. It's NH3. So to Absolutely. move from from uh, uh, green hydrogen to ammonia, you know, really the only thing you're lacking there is uh, is is the nitrogen aspect of it. And I'll be damned if we don't have an atmosphere that's made up of uh, you know seventy percent nitrogen. So um, isn't that right? Isn't it something like seventy percent of our atmosphere? Or even higher? It is 80. 78 eighty percent. About seven, about eighty percent. You know, give or give or take that. So. Uh-huh. I'm familiar with this so pro- not, process not by which you, yeah, I'm familiar with this alternate process whereby you pass high density current through the air and that produces nitrogen oxides. I'm familiar with an alternate process. However, that pro- alternate process is very energy intensive because we're talking about thousands of volts of electricity. And the yield is not high. So what have yeah, you got first and, that's, that does better than that? <laughs> and that, that's just it, right? We don't, we don't know. And I think, that's, I think that's up for the spin. I know there's a lot of these green ammonia projects out there. I know one is, te- is kicking off in Terre Haute, uh, uh, Indiana. And here we have two in North Dakota that are competing for a $125 million forgivable loan. 
uh, and that would be issued wow. from the state-owned Bank of North Dakota and would be forgiven once the project is finished. So, um, yeah, the government is investing in you and uh, owning you. So, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, the types of people that like to get into these projects are different anyway. Um, because we were talking about projects that are, you know, multi-billion dollars in order to get up to scale here. Now, when we think about it, why would North Dakota want this kind of plant? Um, well, number one is North Dakota is major, major, major ag country, right? Uh, wheat and Durham, uh, and uh, I, there's even going to be some short, you know, 70-ish a day corn that's grown there. Uh, so, it, and I mean, the majority of the state is all ag, right? Well, trucking fertilizer from, say, you know, uh, uh, Oklahoma up there is not an easy drive, especially when you consider how much of the the year they have uh, under uh, under snow or ice, uh, because it's it's effectively you know an extension of Canada, right? It's very very cold there for a large part of the year, and when it's hot, it's hot. And in, in trucking, right, you get your best lanes that when you ship to somewhere, you have something coming out, right? And if you're delivering fertilizer up there, uh, sometimes those trucks can run grain out, but a lot of times grain processing is going to occur pretty close to where the farming takes place. So you're not going to have trucks going back to Oklahoma uh, with freight on board. Therefore, you know, trucking on that material in there is an incredibly expensive thing. So if they could be more hyper-local with their uh, production, more domestic uh, production, it would be uh, a big uh, incentive for farmers, right? Uh, and it, it would help them out in a big way. So they have this $125 million forgivable loan, right, that is being issued by the government. Uh, God, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. But here we have Prairie Horizon, uh, which is a, uh, a JV between Marathon Petroleum and TC Energy. Um, and they are looking for a clean hydrogen development project. And I, I took a, a look into this. And, you know, as of right now, they are hoping uh, that they will be done with their investment raising uh, by Q2 of 2025, right? We're Q1 of hmm. 2024 right now. So we're talking about Q5, uh, Q, I'm sorry, Q2 of 2025. Uh, and it could be upwards of $2.2 billion. They would also start construction then. They expect full commercial operation in Q1 of 2029. And this would be a big ass project. We're talking about uh, 400,000 tons of ammonia a year, right? That is, that is a big boy, big boy uh, uh, kind of project there, right? Then the other one is a uh, the number one wind farm uh, electricity producer. There is uh, is Spiritwood, right? And uh, they have the Spiritwood Energy Complex. Uh, I'm sorry, Spiritwood Energy Park, uh, and it is uh, it is owned by this other company called Next Era. And Next Era is uh, partnering with CF Industries. Uh, and if you've ever heard of CF Industries, they are the largest ammonia producer in the U.S. Uh, so they are uh, they are budding up with the with the design. Uh, CF Industries is budding budding buddying up with Next Era Energy, who has all the, uh, the the wind energy production resources, 
to produce this green or, or build this green ammonia plant. And one of the things that they're talking about doing is they're going to be removing 130,000 tons of, of uh, carbon dioxide emissions from the agricultural supply chain each year, right? Because now mm. you get to play into that with all the fewer trucks that are going to be on the road and so on and so forth, right? Um, as of right now, the uh, the non-CF industry, so that would be TC Energy, is uh, uh, is is winning this this bid, and uh, uh, and but but it, you know the final decision making hasn't hasn't uh, ended. And I will say this that uh, a company like CF Industries can figure out a way to get this built. But this is a hundred twenty five million dollar forgivable loan. So of course they're going to go for it. I mean, if, if you are part of a green uh, ammonia project, you'd be a fool not to at least try and win $125 million. It's nine figures of a forgivable loan, but it is tied to the government. But CF Industries is also no stranger to working with the government or owning the government, however you choose to look at it. So anyway, (laughs) interesting there. Uh, What that would do is also open up supply to the remainder of the U.S. And uh, my, uh, what I would like to see is how does that influence prices for us moving forward? a long way off and while the loan while it is a forgivable loan i'm sure that there is uh some serious expectations of uh roi and profit on this so yeah the good news is on on that front from a logistical standpoint uh a lot of railroads up there right so um you know if we're going to go over land to move that stuff it's certainly not barges and all that but i guess we'll find out huh that's a that's a 2030 problem matt <laughs> uh yeah and the uh the interesting thing i think we'll end up seeing is uh, uh with with continued instability in the middle east and the red sea um you know cf industries is big has, the whole Dumping fees on importing fertilizer is, I, I mean, I'm not going to be shy about it. That was lobbying by CF Industries, right? Um, that and, and they were the ones that spearheaded that and, and they were able to get it done and, uh, and, and work the government however they had to work the government. Because you know, clearly ours can be bought and sold, no problem. Um, However, here's the, yeah. our, here's the other Our Congress people have no problem playing and in, uh, investing in private business at all. Of course not. And then especially, here's the especially other if you're in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the other problem is that with continued instability between Russia and the Ukraine, because by the way, folks, uh, a significant amount of natural gas used to come from that region. And mm-hmm. the conventional process for producing ammonia, if I'm not mistaken, uses natural gas as its yeah. starting material because natural gas is composed of a hydrocarbon called methane, also known mm-hmm. as CH4. And mm-hmm. in the process, hydrogen is split from that carbon to get your hydrogen that you need for the ammonia. So this, to me... Is actually good news if this project can get off the ground and be successful because we badly need alternate supplies of ammonia because ammonia is an essential 
building block for not only fertilizer, ammonia is also the building block for a lot of things that I can think of that are just essential to our world because I know that, for example, ammonia is an important building block, for example, for making certain plastics. You got to have ammonia for that. You don't have it, you don't have it. And <laughs> bad things happen. So I'm looking forward to this getting off the ground. Yeah, I, I, and it is, and I think domestic production is an absolute must given the state of uh, everything that's going on in a global perspective, right? You know, uh, East Asia is weird. Uh, North Korea is weird. The Middle East is now weird times 10. Uh, Yemen is weird. The Houthis are weird. Um, and uh, what's going on in Europe with ag is weird. Uh, Russia is weird. I, I don't know. What, what were you going to say, Demand? I thought you were going to say something. No, no I was just going to say that, uh, you know, just as we've focused so hard since, you know, the, the 70s on energy independence, we've not really done a great job on some of the raw materials, some of the other things that are commodity and energy related that have a massive impact, you know, on our society at large, on our, on our gross domestic product, on, on everything, right, that we do. And uh, I think you're going to see uh, uh, maybe more stuff like this. I don't know if it's going to be government funded with these you know, forgivable loans, but you could start to make the case here soon if things continue to devolve. And we don't like to be um, alarmist, but at the same time, um, if you kind of read the writing on the really? wall, it might be, might be a good time from a, you know, an interest of national security to maybe bring some of this stuff in-house. So, Actually, 100%. Ryan... Yeah, yes. I, I think we need to basically make it so that the rest of the world doesn't own us. And right now, the rest of the world owns us because we need things from the rest of the world. So all it takes is some kind of a problem, some kind of a civil war, some kind of a you know hostile takeover or whatever. And our supply of essential materials is gone. And likewise, when we are dependent on these other places for raw materials and commodities, what can happen is that is what I call compromat. <laughs> and what compromat is, is those countries have something on us. They have control. They have the power. <laughs> uh Speaking of compromat, uh, boy, the farmers in <laughs> Europe right now are it's not a... happy at all. Uh, <laughs> in France, demonstrations are are going uh, going absolutely awol. And look, this is just a continued um, uh, uh, devolving of what started. I, I guess where did we first see it? Was the, like the Netherlands or something? It's just kind Denmark, of moved yeah. throughout the rest of the EU. Uh, Ireland didn't we went see this first? Kind of didn't we first see this in Indonesia, though? Didn't we see uh, this yeah, in Sri yeah. Lanka? Oh, we first yeah. saw this in Sri Lanka because the government tried to do something for the greater good that totally blew up and went wrong. And the same thing is happening in Europe because, okay, Matt, Ryan, mm -hmm. are you too brave enough? To go to a farmer in, say, Germany or France and tell them, okay, get rid of your cows, 
get rid of your chickens. We're not going to do any more meat, milk, or eggs. It's over. We're going organic vegan. All that is shut down. And that is the essence of what is happening in Europe. And the way that the government has tried to sell it, of course, is we are doing this for the greater good. We are doing this to save the planet. And in order for us to save the planet, we're going to have to have it so that uh, a significant portion of the population drops dead due to malnutrition. Yeah, you know, and I think uh, if if no one listened to uh, Javier Malay at uh, at the WEF, I I highly recommend you listen to it. I mean, I think he he put it out pretty pretty plainly and easy <laughs> to digest. Um, and you know, again, it, it, it's specific to France here. Uh, the farmers are um, uh, in, the campaign is called "We're Walking on Our Heads," right? And they are they are really pissed because. Um, the government is increasing uh, taxes specific to tractor fuel uh, imports. Uh, Low-cost imports are going to be taxed. Uh, water storage uh, now is uh, is a no-go. Uh, increased restrictions and red tape uh, for, and that's going to be related to like uh, you know the number of cows and all the other shit. Uh, Romania is starting to kick off. Uh, Germany went went real balls to the wall on this as well too. Um, and I, you know, again, what's, what's interesting about this is that if, uh, watching all this, all this happen, uh, the, 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 the way the population is responding is, is one way, right. But then the other way that it's being phrased in the, in the news is that this is all a far right, uh, <laughs> issue. This is there. There, it's a far right war, warning, and I, I don't, I couldn't agree with that less. Right, um, uh, keeping the 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 government out of restricting uh, 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 cattle and uh, fertilizer purchases, uh, increasing taxes on uh, farm fuel. I, that that is that. I don't think that's a far right thing. And in fact, I a lot of people I know on the left. That that are sane would be like, yeah, that's weird. Why do they want to take a stricter control on that, right? And I think even a lot of this this the the insanity. Yeah, granted, I get it. I think I think there should be a portion of everyone that, that maintains a certain level of respect and care and desire to do better uh, for the world as a whole. Uh, but at the same time, you know what what ends up happening is, uh, and where where did I? I'm I'm, I'm just gonna read this real quick we're not going to throw it up on the screen but um you know i you know people are talking about in uh, uh in the next in the next 23 years uh 200 million climate refugees will be roaming the world half of all Time's species up, on earth over. will be extinct uh and uh by 20 the year 2100 australia africa and the united states will be uninhabitable due to due to the climate I think even most people on the left hear that and are like, that's strong, <laughs> right? That's, that's a bit much. And, uh, and you know, I, I don't know. It's weird to see how this gets politicized as a left versus right thing when in reality it just strikes pretty strongly as like, are we sure that's the best approach? Can we revisit this? Can we see some data on it? Can we see what this looks like in 10 years, 20 years? What is your 
what do your forecasts look like with this kind of enacting? And they're like, oh, trust us, we have smart people working on it. Remember, that was one of the one of the quotes we read in one of the articles. It was like, no, 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 mm-hmm. you don't need to worry about that. Trust us, we have the smartest people available to work on this. That is not encouraging to anybody. Definitely not to a farmer who wants things in a very black and white, cut and dry kind of way. If you input this, you output that. That's the whole name of the game of of, of crop uh, agriculture. Uh, right? Yeah, that, that, I yeah, put in three hundred pounds of urea. I get or three hundred pounds of nitrogen. I get two hundred and fifty bushel an acre of corn. Heaven, heaven forbid, the appropriate amount of rain stands up. Right? Input, yeah. output, input, output. And so when you approach them and you say, nah, man, no, 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 that was cool, but trust us, we got smart people working on it. I don't think you're going to win a lot of favorable opinions that way. You're going to piss people off and they're going to start piling up hay around the city and shooting uh, uh, manure at doors of government buildings and coding mm-hmm. government officials in shit from head to toe. <laughs> and in my opinion, yeah. I think that's the appropriate response. Just my opinion. Yeah. You know, Matt. And the fact of the matter is, is that here's my question now. What does the supposed left actually live on? I mean, I got to ask that. And the reason why I got to ask that is because in their world, everybody is reduced to basically eating garbage. No more meat, no more milk, no more eggs. We're all going to eat shit. I mean, what do these supposed climate activists suggest we do? Because, by the way, you know they're vegan, plant-based alternatives to traditional foods. Didn't we go over the fact that a lot of those traditional, you know, a lot of these newfangled foods have not only unknown health effects, but they also are not actually beneficial from an energy balance standpoint meaning they require more energy to make than say a cow happily grazing in a pasture i mean didn't we go over that matt i mean that mm-hmm. because you see i'm thinking in terms of what has worked for us over millennia what has actually worked and what has actually been done such that we've been able to build ourselves up to this level of prosperity and abundance for all i mean what what have we what have we you know done that has worked and and we sure as hell have not gotten here by saying okay guys all the chickens all the cows all the sheep all that gotta go you know right didn't get there by doing that (laughs) No, you, Ryan, you're a voice of reason here, right? And and you you're certainly cool water to our our boiling pot. Um, and I and I'm, I'm and I just I want I want to phrase it to you this way too, right? Like, I I get I get weird when I see in you know in multiple articles when I was when I was researching this and trying to better grasp my brain around it. It was it's always the same. Democracy is under attack. It is, this is a warning of the far-right terrorists are coming to get us all. Is, do you think that's actual reality? Or 
Or do you think that there is a concerted effort, whether it's intentional or not, by media to stoke so much fear into the other side that they drop these nuggets in there that if you support these farmers, therefore you are a far right wing nutbag. All right. So I think it's a chick. It stokes fear. I, I think it's a chicken or an egg argument at a much broader scale of, okay. So is it the media that is emboldening people in government, whether it's in bureaucracy, right? As appointed officials or as elected officials to go into these issues of whatever kind, right. And be on the far fringes, right? Because no matter mm-hmm. who you are, where you live, the people that are on the fringes are the scariest motherfuckers out there, right? And I don't care left, right, yeah. different. It's that's the way it yeah. is. So has the media driven and emboldened more of these people to say, you know what, I I can do that. I'm going to run. And has it caused more of the people that are sensible that are willing to compromise and see both sides and will say, hey, you know what, maybe this is the sensible way to go. Maybe you know we've we've got to figure out some ways to reduce you know greenhouse gas emissions, things like that, but. Maybe we ought not to go down the whole, uh, you know, food security web before we get to some other things that might be more low hanging fruit, right? So, I think you have a bunch of people that are making decisions that are so far removed, right from the middle of the bell curve, that that's what's really fucking this up. And again, is it that those people have felt emboldened because of the media, or is it that these people have just kind of risen up and now maybe the media is making mention like, hey, there's some fucking dipshits in here, and this is all they're saying is that there's nothing good in the middle. It's all either this side's right and everybody else is wrong or vice versa, and we're all fucked. So, you know, I think, Telly, that, I, I think Telly has a perfect example of that, you know, and it, and, it, and it shows how also how fluid this all is, right? Telly said, if you drive a Tesla, you're a left tree hugger, but I'm just trying to save on gas. Do you know, Telly, actually, you're a right-wing terrorist now because Tesla is owned by Elon Musk. And you know, Elon used <laughs> to be the uh, the 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 pinnacle of the excellence that came from the left, right? I mean, he, he was reshaping automotive industry as we know it. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it's like if you drive a Tesla, you support that scumbag. What a piece of fucking shit you are! You've you've mm-hmm. you've really done that. And I don't, you know, the chicken and the egg argument. I hear you there. But it's weird that how how was it all getting, I don't know, it's getting more extreme, I feel like. And I don't know if it's alienating more of the extreme or it's creating a harder line that people are like, I refuse to even smell the air from the other side of this invisible line. Mm-hmm. No, and... I, I I think about this, and it's not just this issue, but it's in general, right? I don't know how it's going to get back to people that have good sense, good morals, good principles, and will say, hey, I understand that shit, you know, shit's not right, but let's work together and try to figure out, you know, a, a sensible solution. So uh, governance is not easy, but it should not be this exceedingly fucking difficult uh, right now in any country on earth. Well, and, and it's nice. so for maybe China, so for maybe China, where they're committing genocide on a daily basis. But that's a whole other. Yeah. You know, it's I'm, 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 sorry, just eating what, my organs. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, 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 what I'm, 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 I'm seeing, 
what I'm seeing is essentially what has happened is one side has saw fit to just take things to one extreme and they've silenced the other side and there's like absolutely no middle ground, no compromise, no sitting down and saying, okay, how do we do this and do this in a way that causes minimal disruption to society? How do we do this so that people don't have to die? I mean, I don't see that anymore. I mean, what I see nowadays is, oh, we have to save the earth and fuck it if a third of the population has to die for this. We're going to do it. I mean, I love the active campaigns that are uh, anti-natalist, which is a whole thing that I did not know as a community that exists. And their whole mission is to make sure people stop having children because they have determined that it's morally and ethically bankrupt to have children, to bring them into the world with the current state it's in and the amount of resources it takes to take a child. And the fact that we've already depleted the world of so many resources (laughs) that you are, in fact, uh, morally wrong for oh, and it's not it's not one or two. It is millions okay. of people that that you are part that's, of this. You know, that, that, you know what that's actually called that that organization psychopathy, borderline no, personality it's called, disorder. It, it's called the Worldwide Anal Sex Association. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the here's the there's interesting a, thing about the anti anti-natalists. joke in there somewhere. Okay, the anti-natalists <laughs> are also the very people that are practicing or imposing scarcity on others. Don't fucking tell me about how the world is running out of shit when you people are the very ones saying, okay, no more oil, no more this, no more that. Everybody starve. I mean, they are the cause of the fucking problem. Ray, I think you missed (laughs) the point there. I heard, I think he said no more oil. All I heard him say was no more oral. But I think these people would also be in favor of oral, too. You can't get pregnant that way, either. The good news yeah. is is that they're not going to procreate, so hopefully their their shitty ideas just die within a generation or so. Um, all right, so also on our show, if this is your first time tuning in, we have a segment that we call Joe Knows Turf. And we call it Joe <laughs> Knows Turf because it was an old play on a uh, a guy who worked for a company, uh, and his, his name was Bo. And uh, and Bo was real big into the Facebook groups. And one time he was arguing about how to fix soil uh, generally by using the word balance. He's like, but the soil just needs more balance. And uh, I got into a mm-hmm. tit for tat argument with him when I when I said, how do you define balance? And he never could provide an adequate definition of balance. There's a lot of him hawing around. And, and so I talked about it very publicly on on radio. I did radio show at the time. And uh, and he wrote into my radio boss and told him that I was a drunk, that I hated the police. I think at one point is what he said uh, <laughs> that I was anti-police. Yeah, and that I needed to be kicked off the air. And uh, I, I I didn't drink and do that radio show once. Uh, anyway, it was interesting. So I decided to make a whole segment called Bo Nose Turf. And, I, and then when we started this gig here and in, in moving into the Thursday Thursday and the Burner Return podcast. Uh, we changed it to Joe in remembrance of who was once the organic lawn warrior only to, to to figure out and go through the five stages of grief that what he was doing was not organic at all, not even remotely, but he had been sold it that it was and he bought into it hook, line and sinker 
to the same degree that people align themselves with cults, right? So after after realizing that he uh, he was uh, part <laughs> of the Church of Scientology, he had to go through a decommissioning, and uh, and he he went. He never did quite recover from that psychologically, and so we played into that with our own segment called Joe Knows Turn. Uh, so we'll go ahead and hit the sounder, and Ryan, take us into this week's episode. Joe Knows Turf! Hi, I'm Joe. I'm going to give you a bunch of accurate turf facts today. Because, because Joe knows turf. Knows turf. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, listen, this is our first show since the holiday break. And uh, whatever holiday you celebrate, I don't really care. Uh, I'm here to talk to you about a New Year's resolution. My New Year's resolution this year, guys, and I'm going to try and stick with it, is to cancel ron henry's advice on youtube now he can sell you products he can do whatever he wants but i am absolutely on a mission this year to make sure that people will stop taking advice from ron okay um case in point we're gonna do this one and uh listen he's on here so much because he makes up so much shit on the fly because he doesn't know what he's talking about and it really, really, really irks me that people, 62,000 plus people would take advice from this gentleman. Okay. Again, I've got no problem with this business model. He can sell whatever he wants, but you need to, you need to check yourself for you wreck yourself. So let's go ahead and watch this video. And then, uh, again, for our newbies, we will take apart, you know, some, uh, some claims that are made in these videos or these social media posts. And then we'll kind of walk back through some of the science a little bit. So, uh, you know, you don't make the same mistake and you just won't say, well, hey, don't do that. We'll give you a little bit of the why behind it. So, Jay Pink, without further ado, let's play this short from uh, Ron Henry. Lots of dandelion and thistle right now. Prodiamine doesn't protect against uh, broadleaf. Should I spray Celsius? Yeah, so prodiamine does protect against broadleaf weeds, but if they... but before it's only before they start growing ignacio um if you're trying to control dandelions yes you can absolutely use celsius for that uh celsius this and uh surfactant let me use the right camera so celsius and surfactant this combination will will knock out uh knock out dandelions prodiamine does have control against uh, dandelions but you have to have it in the soil prior to it germinating so once it starts growing in other words by the time you see it Prodiamine is not going to really be effective anymore. That's when you have to turn to uh, to these guys. Does that make sense? So it does work. You just have to make sure you have the pre-emergent in the soil prior to the uh, the dandelion showing up. And okay. If you're going to use hmm. oh oh what's he say here? Celsius. Uh, use surfactant with it for best results. Okay. So there's several claims here that I want to make sure we unpack and talk about here. First of all identifying the weed that you are trying to target is of the utmost importance. All right. Here, this gentleman has identified dandelion. Okay. Now the things that you need to understand is not only the chemical control, but some uh, useful things about that particular weed, such as when it flowers, when it germinates, all those types of things. Now we can classify weeds really simply by annual weeds. Okay. And some are winter annuals, some are summer annuals. And then we also have biennial weeds which yeah. uh, we won't go into too much of those, okay? And then finally, perennial weeds, right? Weeds that are uh, occurring every single year on a perennial basis, which, Ray, correct me if I'm mm -hmm. wrong, but dandelion is a perennial weed. Is that not true? 
That is true, and so are the thistles. So are the thistles that this uh, caller to uh, Ron's show mentioned, is that thistles and dandelions I know as perennial weeds. Hmm. And here's one more thing is I'm also thinking about my time of the year. And, you know, in the southeast transition zone, if you have broadleaf weeds that are actively growing in the winter, everybody, for the love of God, please don't apply Celsius in the winter. You know why bear named Celsius Celsius? It is because Celsius was specifically designed to be safe for people in places like Georgia, Florida, Louisiana, and Hawaii to apply Celsius in the summer when it's too hot to use things like three-way or speed zone. Okay. And taking advantage of that on, on dormant grass during cooler times right that's your that's yeah, your best because bet. uh D4D, matt pretty highly effective because matt what what do i typically use when it's like fall and winter on emerged broadleaf weeds what do i typically bust out <laughs> you know me <laughs> uh, not celsius <laughs> yeah not celsius i'm usually like grabbing for the uh 240d ester and if the turf grass is tolerant i'll even send triclopyr in the winter in the south i'll do it you know now, I'll it, do it. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll look at this real quick and see here uh, while we're doing this. But real quick, JPEG, pull up that label. And if you would, really quickly, so this a long label. This is the exact product uh, that Ron is selling, the 65WVG uh, formulation mm-hmm. of Prodiamine. I don't care if you're using the 4L. I don't care if you're using name brand Barricade from Syngenta. I don't give a shit. JPEG, real quick, thing. just <laughs> nice, nice and easy here for me. Just go hit and hit Control F. And I want you to type in dandelion. D-A-N. <laughs> just do D-A-N-D. Um, not found. Um, zero. Okay. zero. Right, let's, let's try let's this. Try let's thistle. try thistle. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Zero also, zero, zero. Wow. Hmm. So when Ron, says, this twice? Yeah, no, when Ron Henry says... Twice? No, when Ron Henry says... In the short, that yes, Prodiamine will cover dandelion. <laughs> the label mm-hmm. does not support that claim. Okay, so the label mm-hmm. of the product that he's actually selling does not support that claim. I'll okay. be oh. damned. I will be too. Darn. So again, we're trying to Darn. control a perennial weed with a pre-emergent herbicide, okay? Mm-hmm. And to say that this can't be done is not entirely true. It's just the product that he sells does not actually exist. Uh, or this weed is you know, is not controlled by the product out here. Now, Jay Pink, let's go ahead and look at this article that I linked up here. Uh, this is a a study that was done back uh, in the mid '80s through the early '90s, published in 1991. Here, okay, and if we scroll down here, it's a just an abridged version of the article. And basically, what they said is they used um, dithiopyr, which is known as Dimension, on the mm-hmm. uh, the market here as a as a trade name. Okay. And they actually had pretty good results in terms of controlling it with, again, a liquid apply. This is not pre-emergent granules, okay? Uh, and you can you can get um, you can get dithiopyr in a uh, water dispersible granule as well. You can get it liquid form too. They did see control with this. So if you were going to use 
a pre-emergent herbicide and try to target and get some activity on dandelion, you could, in theory, use dithiopyr. So this this the the does exist, okay, but not on. on prodiamine. Hang on, Ryan, because I'm reading this article further, and BAS514, I know that product. That is also known as quinclorac. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, okay, quinclorac is well known for control of crabgrass and foxtail. However, to me, it has a special place in my heart because I know quinclorac as one of the most effective controls for wild violet and clover remember eric's yard where i dropped that fucking uh 24d and quinclorac bomb on it to take out his uh clover and wild violet exceptionally strong on that so yeah the point here is is go ahead go ahead go ahead go ahead okay and so what this study is talking about is what happens when you combine Ethiopia and quinclorac as an application as part of a weed management program. And what they saw was rather effective control. But that effective control, I think I can attribute a lot to the quinclorac because quinclorac shares characteristics with auxin type herbicides, which include things like 2,4 D and triclopyr. So this is what's actually happening, you know, is that the quinclorac is starting to go after some of the broadleaf weeds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so so real quick here. Take out- <laughs> it is. Now, listen. So we talked about properly identifying the weed. We po- talked about understanding its uh, life cycle, which is important, too, in terms of choosing pre versus post in certain situations. Okay. Finally, we've determined that, okay it's likely best that we control dandelion with the post-emergent spray because more options, right? We have better range on timing, right? We can use Celsius, you know, presumably in the uh, summertime, you know, when it's warmer out, late spring, something like that. But we also have options in the wintertime, right? Whereas with our pre-emergence, our windows are kind of limited. And as we just saw here, the product that Ron Henry fucking told us to use actually doesn't even have it on the label and has absolutely no efficacy. Wow, <laughs> we can look at maybe if we do want to use a pre-emergent and go after this, which probably isn't the best thing and wouldn't be recommended by most university professors or even us, you know, chiseled veterans. I did say chiseled and grizzled. Uh, hey. That, hey. <laughs> that, 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 listen, we would make a better product choice. Okay, so if we were going to go post-emergent here real quick, Let's say it's this time of year, right? This person asked this question sometime in the last, say, four to six weeks. What would be in any warm season grass, right? Because I'm assuming with the recommendation of Celsius, this is on warm season, right? What would be your choice here of a ready, either a readily available or easy to use uh, safety margin built in kind of herbicide here, gentlemen? What would be your choice and why? Speed zone, and it's not even close. Right? Speed zone, I'll second. Speed zone, I'll second. Okay. And if I'm concerned about pre-emergent effect, I'm also Mr. Metsulfuron missile. And when I'm looking at Be another high broadleaf weed, no, no, when I'm looking at high broadleaf weed pressure, I do this little cocktail where I have label rate of speed zone plus a quarter ounce of MSM per acre in the tank. Done. 
You know. All right. So I'm smoking some shit. <laughs> JPEG, go ahead and pull that last link up for me, if you would, please. We're gonna go to the golf course lawn store, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is owned and operated by Ron Henry. Again, having this stuff on the website to sell, I have no problem with telling people over. what to use. This is what I have a big fucking problem. Can you guys look across there as we scroll down and do we see speed zone? Or Trimec or any other type of three-way herbicide. Forget about the... Keep going, keep going. I don't see it yet. I don't see it yet. No. Okay, let's go ahead and click no. number two, two here. No. We're going to go to page Thank two. You. I see Spectral oh. Flow. Oh. There's, there's a triad. Right there. Triad. Okay, one note, though. In cooler weather, amine-type yeah, herbicides you need, don't, you need yeah, a don't give you... No, yeah, aiming type herbicides are not nearly as strong on broadleaf weeds in the winter and in a cooler part of the year. And so triad is actually safe to apply on warm season grasses in like late spring through early summer. Then it's an excellent choice at that time, you know, during, I guess, what, round two and three, Matt, you throw in your, your three-way and get it done i mean that's that's, that's my thought on it <laughs> and so in this particular case right we have mm-hmm. a product that would would work but why why the celsius and the only thing i can surmise from this gentleman is that ron genuinely doesn't know so the moral <laughs> of the story here moral Ouch. of the story here gentlemen is uh <laughs> You know, if you uh, go to the doctor and he writes his own prescriptions from his own pharmacy, very wary. But be especially wary if he's actually not a fucking doctor to begin with. Ron, have a nice night. <laughs> ah, man, that was great. Let's check out this week's uh, burns. I'm gonna I'm gonna fly through this. We we have a hard stop coming up, so we're gonna be pretty quick. Uh, Lawn care monster, why not Q4? Your cost to return on results oh, gosh. ratio there is not even in the wheelhouse. Uh, Quinclorax, Sulfentrazone, and and then some some three way product, and that is is it is not worth it. A Speed Zone Southern is a fraction of the price, and will give you the exact same degree of efficacy. So, uh, yeah, you're 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 burning cash at that point to get the exact same result. Also, uh, no, this week's no, burns, no, quin, no Quinclorax, no on Centipede or Saint Augustine, unless your intent is to remove this quin, the Saint Augustine or Centipede as well. So, Speed Zone Southern is the safe choice right Matt? <laughs> yep the <Interest>. safest <laughs> that you could probably go with uh yeah. guess what's coming up this this year boys uh not one but two different broods of cicadas are emerging on their 13 and 17 year cycle the last time this happened was 1803 it's biblical mm. times man if 2019 didn't kick off the once every 100 or 200 year pandemic now we've got we've got we've got the locusts coming and uh and we man we are gonna be on one look at the section of the midwest that's going to be dealing with this uh that is major farmland that is going to be cotton that is going to be rice uh that's going to be corn (laughs) that's going to be soybean in a big 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 way and uh man i am here for it uh i can't wait to see how this plays out what's interesting about this is um with with the attention that has been played uh placed on uh chlorpyrifos uh or dursban and uh and restrictions around that 
Um, this is one of those where we'll see it come into play. Now, I'll say is that you know we've got we still have uh, a fairly high amount of uh, pesticides that are that are registered, and uh, even if it is on restricted use registration, uh, by all means, if you have farm, you you have the ability to. Uh, 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 you know, apply restricted use products, assuming you had the right licensure. So, so, uh, but man, uh, if it, it, golly, this, wouldn't that be something if uh, this, this turns out to be catastrophic of some degree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's, what's out there for cicadas? Because I'm thinking pyrethroids or carbaryl. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. Is carbaryl would be just a real easy one. Um, and, However, uh, cost per cost per acre on carbaryl is actually quite high these days. That's no longer yeah a very inexpensive product. And mm-hmm. most growers that know what they're doing, you have a hard time getting them to apply carbaryl to anything because there are some side effects associated with utilizing carbaryl i mean any yep. grower that knows this yep. shit is reluctant to break out the seven i mean they, they don't want to do it <laughs> yeah and you 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 want to be real conscious of your nozzle selection and all that fun stuff because uh yeah carbaryl carbaryl can be a uh a, an interesting one but with the high pitch <laughs> buzz the mating songs and reaching 100 decibels i'm sure this is going to be in the news for a while so get ready <laughs> uh because that's coming uh homeowners uh had a major major problem doing a small lawn renovation this is of course in as portland and and uh uh the subreddit no lawns and uh and <laughs> so here's the issue they have a top layer of soil that had been scraped back in the space for a foundation started being dug leaving a square section of dirt sticking up embedded in the sides of that section are tattered st- uh, uh, scraps of landscape fabric Oils, holes in it and this is a major problem that needs to be dealt with um <laughs> this yeah. is the dumbest thing that has ever been put in print uh and the 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 headline on this look mrs laurel stell here laurel stell i don't even know how to say your name sweetheart if you have identified this as a major problem I'm going to go ahead and warn you right now that I wait, you, you know what? Need I'm going to get out into the world for, and real. I know where she needs to do guys. It's simple. She needs to go to golf course, and just get enough Miramichi <laughs> to fill that hole. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, anyway, I, you know, I'm not going to say reach out. She might be lady, all that's left I'm, before I'm, the impending doom. <laughs> Everyone should be incredibly kind and write to her and say, sweetheart, I promise that's not, don't actually don't call her sweetheart. If she's in Portland, oh. you will, you will be chastised for that. Uh, you just say, um, I was going to say ma'am Pastel. next, but you can't say that either. Pastel, yeah, don't say ma'am. there are actual real issues in even the United States, even in your own city, uh, that would warrant the, the, the word major issue and, Finding landscape fabric is not one of them. It's nowhere on the list. Uh, the next one here is, uh, do you remember that whole thing about herbicide drift we've been dealing with? Uh, it turns out they are experimenting with using charcoal as a barrier against herbicide drift. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that could work. Well, 
Uh, for those, those of you that don't know, herbicide drift is within use poor nozzle, poor pressure, uh, poor timing, uh, basically violating a lot of the four R's. And, um, and when you make your pesticide application, uh, it moves off target, right? So you're trying to spray a field that is full of weeds, and then it ends up taking out a hundred acres of, uh, uh, of neighborhood uh, on the outside mm -hmm. of your field uh, instead of the hundred acres you sprayed. Uh, because of your mismanagement of your pesticide application. That would be considered drip, right? It moves off target. It kills non-target pests. Uh, and so anyways, one of the things they're looking at is using activated charcoal. Activated charcoal is an effective way at absorbing. So it would be chemically absorbing, right? So AD, AD-sorbing, uh, you know, to chemically bond to things and uh, and render them effectively inert, Right. Uh, so, for instance, if you are spraying a field that has a, a dicamba tolerant crop and uh, and next to it is you have a bunch of dicamba sensitive crops, uh, it turns out, you know, maybe uh, making a uh, an application of that uh, intolerant crop with a uh, with an activated uh, charcoal uh, application may indeed uh, help them survive it. Right. So interesting there. I'll be curious to see how that works out. Now, here's here's kind of the it's kind of the gig on that. Activated carbon is not cheap. Okay, uh, when you mm. produce it, you're using a lot of pressure and steam in order to build that internal structure to allow this to to have the effect that it does. Uh, so you know it, it it sounds super easy and all that fun stuff, but as far as implementing it in a cost uh, effective way is going to be a bit more difficult to do. So. Uh, this might, though, for the uh, the capitalist non-commies here, um, we'll see this as an opportunity to how do we increase the efficiency uh, to drive down the production costs related to uh, activated carbon. Pretty interesting there. I'll be curious to see how that ends up working out over the next five years or so. And then on this week's returns, uh, we'll go ahead and hit the sounder on that. The Fertilizer Institute opens nominations for the 2024 4R Advocate Program, right? Uh, and with the 4Rs of nutrient stewardship is uh, it is it is a a community driven group uh, thing to push better decision making when it comes to applying fertilizers. This is good. The 4Rs and 4R adv advocacy is good. It's great. This is the type of uh, uh, a self-internal industry-specific development that needs to take place to keep government from needing to step in and set rules on what you can and can't do so we can avoid, you know, a situation like France or Germany that's, that's kicking off right now. And uh, what they are doing is they're opening nominations for who is going to win their for our uh, advocate program, right? And so they've got some people from around. We've got a farmer, Randy Bales. Uh, we've got uh, 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 people that work with suppliers, a yield pro specialist with Co-Alliance, Eric uh, Sagward. And, uh, and anyway, it goes on and on. If you feel like you're going to vote, you know for any of these people or read their stories and find out who you feel like had the best uh, approach towards uh, environmental responsibility. And I uh, am being able to maximize yields with the lowest uh, environmental impact and by all means, you can do that there. Uh, and then the last one here that we wanted to cover was 
boy, the South sure did get hard, but it has hit everywhere from the Pacific Northwest coast to coast. I know they had a hellacious ice storm up in Oregon. One of my wife's friends is up there and sent pictures, and it was fucking nutty, the amount of ice that was on everything. Um, we, uh, we're seeing uh, wind chills at minus 30. That is cold as absolute hell. We got 13 inches of snow here in, in Knoxville. In Memphis, they had to boil water. Uh, because all that shit, New Yorkers had black, uh, black ice uh, that they couldn't drive on. Anyway, it was nuts all over. And uh, how many how many people died as a result of this? Uh, 55, 60, something like that. Yeah, that that's yeah. a lot. That's a so lot that of cool. people. It is. Uh, what, what, how, how did you handle the cold Mageddon of 2024 to me. Well, again, uh, obviously don't like to see people pass away or whatever, but I just tried to keep the silver lining, uh, in clear view, which was that, you know, the day that it went from, you know, like negative three and the following day, it was like 14. I looked at that is, uh, lengthen the time of exposure that it would take for me to actually die. So if there's a way to look at the glass half full, that's it. Um, I just did nothing but complain your optimism. I wish I would have had more of, uh, because I think, <laughs> I think I was trying to convince myself that it was okay to die. Now uh, it was weird. It was a weird thing. I was in a, in a strange headspace, but not, not quite in the same stuff. headspace as Ron Henry, who's recommending Celsius and cold weather because Ron can't read, which uh, is going to be uh, our segment of the night. So I want to go ahead and give uh, Demay an award right now for, his uh, in-depth research into finding us the best content possible for uh, Joe Knows Turf with our Ron Can't Read segment. Thank you, Ryan. You did a stand-up job as always. You did it yet again, Ryan. You did it. I mean. <laughs> mm. I, can't, I can't wait to see how that evolves uh, as well over the next five years because, uh, man, that is that's, that's, that's some pretty wild stuff. I have a feeling... I have a feeling it's going to get a lot worse before it gets a lot better. And boy, am I here for it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> if you're if you're into this kind of thing and you like what we talk about, you can hang out with us before the show. You can join our private community full of people who have one interest in one interest alone, and that is being better and learning more. That's two interests, I guess, but they kind of go hand in hand, right? And uh, and you can do that over at patreon.com forward slash burn and return. It is, uh, it is full of people who genuinely have one desire, and it is uh, to learn more. And uh, and by proxy of learning more, they all become better people. I learn from them. They learn from us. And it's a beautiful thing. And we, uh, I don't know where I would be, honest to God, without without it. it is, it's my sounding board. It's my release from work. It's my creativity uh, flow from work. It's my physical fitness. It's it's my relationships. It's, it, it means a lot to me. So uh, if you're into that kind of thing, uh, by all means, check it out. Patreon.com forward slash burn return. I promise you. For the cost that it is to join, it will be the best investment you made this year, especially if you're a business owner. Uh, without a doubt, it will be uh, uh, <laughs> what you will get in return for it is uh, is you you will turn out but very profitable as a result of that. That is one guarantee I can make about it. And you'll learn something too, which is always a net win. Uh, anyways, we're going to go let the patrons decide the title of this week's episode, and uh, and we will catch y'all on the flip side. Bye! 
Ha, ha, ha.